So welcome to BSing with Sean K. I'm your host, Sean Neese. And on this show, I talk to a wide range of people pursuing their creative and intellectual passions. And today I have my friend Ryan Gurian on the show. Hello. And, uh, I know Ryan through doing improv and we've had some good talks about uh, pursuing uh, life as an artist or pursuing what it is you're, you're passionate about. And I know you've, you, that's uh the route he's been taking recently with uh, acting, he's uh, he's he's been he's spent a lot of years in the corporate world, as he told me. But uh, what he really found he wants to do is acting, and that's something he's uh, he's just going all in. You said you're going all in with it now, so um, pretty much, yeah. I mean, uh, that's a good way of putting it. I think that's because that's the way I've put it to you in the past when we've spoken about it. Yeah, pretty much. Yeah, I'm. I'm mirroring what you said i guess like back to you. yeah you're hearing yourself yeah. talking to you and someone else's words <laughs> <laughs> yes i've uh i've taken this all-in stance with uh with acting um and really just with being creative uh i think i'm at this stage in my life i, I had one of those pandemic epiphanies that i think a lot of us had where it was like taking inventory of your life. You know, what do I have? What do I want? What makes me happy? Seeing as how I'm confined to four walls, 24 hours a day for the time being, and your mind begins to wander into the things that uh, truly lift you up. And I realized during that time that the thing that I love doing most is not just being creative and making things, but also sort of, you know, applying this emotional quotient to being creative and, making audiences react. Um, obviously in improv, it's comedy, but I'm very much, you know, willing to explore uh, how I might be able to gauge additional reactions from audiences. Um, you know, I'm a huge fan of, of, of films and TV and just, you know, watching people act in general. Um, so a lot can be taken from that, but there is a craft involved. And so I'd really like to fine tune that and sharpen it. And so that's why I'm on this pursuit. And you, you mentioned creating things like was there other stuff you created besides uh, just doing the acting? Yeah, I was, uh, I began doing stand up for a little while. That was really what set me off on this course or on this journey. Um, I don't particularly think I was very good at it though. And I think that may have been tied to the fact that I didn't have an extreme passion for it. Um, I'm sure a lot of your listeners do stand up or, you know, are familiar with it at the very least. And it's a very grueling uh, process, in my opinion. You have to put up with a lot of bullshit. You have to put up with unruly crowds. You have to put up with, you know, the politicization of bookings and the scene, as it were. And I think stand-up comics are willing to deal with that bullshit in order to express themselves on stage, which, you know, hats off. That's very brave. It's very courageous, in my opinion. I don't know that I had the wherewithal to continue on with that. So uh, I just stopped doing it one day. Um, and I had also been writing stuff, you know, I've, I've always tried to 
engage myself so that I can stay busy. I have one of those very active minds, which I think you're familiar with, where we tend to overthink sometimes and we have a lot of restless energy and we can sometimes be indecisive. And I find that the best distraction is to really just, you know, commit to an idea, you know, with, with no regard to where it might end up. Um, so your original question is what are other things that I used to create and make? I, you know, I've had a number of projects and, you know, both small and large that have kept me busy before I ended up where I am right now. So that's, that's interesting what you said about the comedy scene. Cause I, I think like it, it gets like that in local music scenes. Like when I used to do a band too, like there's just like, you know, the, the, the couple of four couple bands that play shows together, they book a place here. It wasn't really like for up and coming or like, is that kind of what it is with the comedy? Like there's a scene and there's like these couple of people who perform here. Or... Yeah. I, you know, I hate to equate any scene with high school, but that's kind of what life is like in a lot of ways. What The old expression is life is high school with money, right? Yeah. <laughs> um, and you could say something similar for scenes, except in, instead of money, it's social capital. I mean, I think that's a very real idea. Um, I don't think it's something that I consume myself with because I frankly think that that's wrong. Um, but scenes are they exist as they are and there's always going to be some unwritten um what's the word i'm looking for it starts with an a <laughs> um hierarchy. Oh, hierarchy it starts with an h <laughs> oh, <okay. laughs> no not asshole <laughs> um there's always going to be some unwritten hierarchy and um as much as i try not to play into it there there is a reality to that um you know there are certain people that i just wouldn't um behave differently in front of. And then there are other people who I hold the utmost respect for. And that's just the reality of how scenes function. I think when you really strip that away, though, what you're looking at is scenes consist of creative people who have decided to pursue this thing. And if people who fit that bill are normal, as the textbook definition defines it, then they wouldn't be doing that, right? They'd have a nine to five job, they'd buy a house, they'd start a family, and they would exist as this uh, sort of, uh, you know, individual that's part of something much more repetitive and redundant, in my opinion. Um, I don't frown on the corporate world. I just don't particularly feel that I have a place in it. Um, and that's why I choose to, to be with creative people. Um, creative people are very, they're very emotional people. They're very, um, you know, they could be somewhat sensitive. You know, we, we are basically feeding our inner children, right? When you're an artist, that's your inner child taking precedence over many other realities that you put in front of you. And you've got to take care of that inner child. And sometimes that inner child overreacts or acts out or takes something too harshly. And especially in the fields that we're in, when there's a lot of rejection, it can sometimes be overwhelming, but the rewards of creating something or finding the people in that scene that you you know, uh, relate to, or that you have chemistry with, or that you click with, I feel like those rewards far outweigh those sunken emotions that appear to be more frequent, um, you know, than the, than the highs. And doing what's doing what's, uh, sometimes you had to do what's shitty to get what to what's good, I guess. Like what? Yeah. Yeah. I think most of the time you do, if I'm being completely honest, I think, I think the, the bigger, <laughs> <laughs> I think one of the biggest illusions of just going through life is that uh, every day is supposed to be this momentous and joyous occasion, which it can be. 
you know, I'm not going to sit here and be cynical and pessimistic and say that life is this, you know, terrible thing. It's not. Um, but the reality is, is that there is a lot of mundanity in life, right? Mm -hmm. A lot of it is routine and repetition. We have responsibilities, uh, especially as we get older and the responsibilities aren't fun. You know, I don't want to pay my internet bill, but I have to, and I have to get money to pay that internet bill. And the way that I get that money is I have to do something bland and boring. Um, but that's broken up, I think, with these, you know, moments of joy and creative reward and, and you know, it, you know uh, the freedom to express, right? I feel like I work all week so that I'm able to go to these, these, these improv jams and have a, a lot of fun with my friends and, and uh, truly feel how I like to feel, you know? But, you know, it comes with sacrifice. So I guess, but, but you want, you want to make that the career though, that like, that's the goal, like the, the acting and the eventually, now yeah. Now it's more of an outlet, I guess. outside. Uh, yeah. I mean, I can't call myself a professional actor because I don't make money from it. Um, but there, there, there will come a day where I achieve struggling actor level where I'm going to attempt to cobble together an acting career. And that is not necessarily right now at this moment. I still have, you know, a little more time to go before I get there, but I'm envisioning it and I, I'm, I'm, you know, keeping reality in check. I understand what's in front of me and what needs to be done. Um, but there is a way to do it. And I think a lot of people confuse becoming an actor with wanting to be famous. And I don't know that I want that. <laughs> yeah. I, I, I just, um, I guess there's, if you make it a goal to just kind of work in the field, like work in the field, entertainment, like that's, um, it's feasible. That, yeah. It's a more tangible goal. And it's probably cause I, I feel like someone could be like the star of one era and then they're not of the next, but like character actors, you see, they actually have much longer. Yeah. Careers. Actually. And that's my goal. That's my lofty goal. You know, I don't see myself as a leading man <laughs> necessarily, <laughs> but I certainly feel like I could, you know, nail down two or three pages of dialogue in an episode of Marvelous Mrs. Maisel and still, you know, yeah. feel like I, like uh, like a a yeah, well, you already, you already got kind of like the buddy Holly. Uh, like <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. I could be a mater D at a fancy yeah. restaurant in 1954. <laughs> I'm pretty sure I could nail that role. Um, that that's sort of what I'm looking to do. And money is not something that has ever greatly interested me. Although I'd be lying if I said, I don't enjoy getting money, but I feel like if you put that at the forefront of your pursuit, or if that's the thing that you bemoan when you're pursuing any, any art, whether it's music, acting, writing, if you put money first, I feel like you're going to be disappointed way more often than you're going to be satisfied. Yeah, and, and like, um, I guess it's you have to enjoy like a creative outlet without the reward for a while. Like, like I've been doing with the podcast, I'm trying to monetize it more. I'm making that a goal, like Patreon sponsors that thing. But yeah. I also enjoy doing the show and just like, you know, talking to different people, seeing what makes them ticks, and just putting interesting conversations out there. So. Yeah, you gotta you gotta try everything and put everything out there, and I think. There's something to be said about if, if you express an enthusiasm for what you're doing, if you enjoy what you're doing, then everyone else will too. Um, that's pretty much the, you know, the crux of how I'm handling improv right now. It's like, if I'm out there having a good time and I feel like my scene partners and the audience will as well. 
And what what do you have to uh, what's your view about like because I know like a lot of creative people like myself included like we have more than one outlet we enjoy. Do you think there's a way to like kind of pursue more than one and like maybe or prioritize one, but then kind of do like what what are your views about that? Like, I mean, everyone's different, you know. I, I'm I'm from the school of prioritizing one, and then all the others will will follow. I think if you can get really, 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 really good at one thing, then all the other doors that you want to open up for you will open up. Right. Like I wouldn't dream of starting a podcast right now. Um, I just produced an improv show for the first time about a week ago. And that exhausted me to the point where this entire past week, I've been very drained almost to the point where I felt some sort of void, like emotionally and physically. Um, so, but that show only came about because I threw myself into getting better as an improviser. Um, that was, you know, that, I was made the, a, that was the one I went to the two prov one or the, yeah, the Finsettians, yeah. um, which we're hoping to do again sometime, but, but that show only came about because I, I had been focused intently on becoming better on stage and getting funnier and learning how to be a better improviser and nerding out in front of all the older improvisers and asking them questions and being like, you know, uh, an incessantly annoying little brother. Uh, how do you do this? How do you handle that? What, what happens when you do that? Like I, I did not hold back. I committed to being better as an improviser and it's not for me to say whether or not uh, I, I, I am, cause that's a very subjective uh, perspective. I feel like I am, but I also, um, you know, I'm also starting to see uh, some of these other doors now opening up where I am now able to produce a show and hopefully I'll be able to produce another one. You know, um, you can't I can't get too far ahead of myself, nor should anybody, um, because one thing that I've also learned about this particular, you know, about these creative pursuits is that you're also humbled over and over. You know, um, we're not unique. <laughs> you know, we all believe that we are, and it's cool to feel that way. Like we are all individuals and we all have our own personalities, but we are all in some sort of stable of creativity. And, you know, if it ain't you, it's another person. So it's best to just kind of focus on how you can improve and become better as a person, both on and off stage, um, rather than the opposite. Yeah. Like me, I want to get back into acting. It's something I want to do more of, but I guess I've never, um, I guess like I don't want to quit everything and make that like the one thing like where I'm hustling to get the next role to yeah. work. So that's why I'm trying to um, like with what I'm doing with the podcast, I'm doing another job where I'm editing another podcast and editing videos. I'm trying to do more work along that line where at least it's something creative that I enjoy in that field. And then through making more money doing that and having more freedom doing that, I can do more of the other things like, make these films I wanted to make where I would also like play a role in them and also like, you know, do more acting roles on the side and like fit that into. So like, I feel like I just need to kind of put that on the back burner while I get more of that, um, like, you know, the editing, the production career stuff I wanted to get off the ground more. So Sure. I mean, it sounds like you have a plan. The interesting thing that I'm hearing you say is that you keep saying, I need to, I need to, I need to, um, <laughs> And if, you know, I think when we really begin to put that under a a lens, I feel like it sounds more like you want to. So it's really just a matter of putting putting forth that time and effort to to make it happen. And I'm not saying, you know, it's easier said than done. 
Um, but there is a, a, a desire in your, in your tone that you want to do these things. Yeah. Like I have the life, uh, I want envisioned and like, I'm, I'm working toward it. It's just, you know, it takes time. It takes a lot of effort and, um, and I'm doing yeah. another job too, like on top of that editing job, that's not necessarily what I want to do, but it helps you know, like pay the bills and everything. Um, Every, everything takes time. That's yeah, something yeah. that, uh, that, that was a humbling lesson for sure. You know, uh, this, this sort of, uh, era of instant gratification that we, that we're moving through right now is kind of screwing with our minds a little bit, but every, everything takes time and commitment and, and concession and sacrifice. Nothing comes easy. And a teacher once told me nothing worth having comes easy. I think he was probably quoting somebody else, but, but it's a, it's very true. I mean, you know, if you're able to get something just from the snap of your finger, you know, that's not to say that it wasn't deserving, but well, maybe let me rephrase this. The time that you spend becoming better as a creative person or an artist will reap its rewards as you move along the path, right? There's no such thing as a big break. There's just little breaks along the way that equate to better and better opportunities. Um, so however, however, the individual, whether it's you or me is able to figure that out, then that's the path they should be going down. Yeah. It it takes time to figure it out. I I do know, like I'm more organized and I've narrowed things down more than I used to because I remember like in my early twenties, it was like, I I changed my, like what I wanted to do, my major, like all the time. It's like one day it's like, Oh, I want to be a social worker. No, I want to do this. I want to like, I'd switch to like, I don't know. It took me a while to like get organized on that, but I feel like now, especially like mid twenties to late twenties, I started getting more um, yeah. narrowing you're, it down and like now even more. So you're, you're a, a seamless segue into talking about the artist's way, which I think is um, part of what inspired this booking. Correct. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, I haven't read it yet, but you told me about it. Yeah. I, I, I ordered a copy of it. It's a, so, yeah. it's a book that changed my life, uh, frankly. And Everything that you just uh, said, like in your 20s, you know, you were trying to figure out, uh, should I do this? Should I do that? When the reality is you wanted to be an artist, but um, you were unknowingly putting obstacles in your way, right? So the artist way, and there's no possible way I could sum up the entire book, but it's not a self-help book. It's really more like a textbook, right? She, She presents it as if it's a curriculum, which is smart. And the whole function of the book is to uh, reinforce this idea that if you are a creative person and an artist, then you should follow suit. You should, you should just do that. And the book is leans very heavily on this idea of removing what she calls blocks in front of us, right? Creative blocks. And those creative blocks manifest themselves in ways that sometimes we're unaware of, right? I don't have the money to do this. Uh, My parents will be disappointed if I do this. Um, It's not uh, socially redeeming to do this. All these things that we put in front of ourselves are just blocks or hurdles that are in the way of of us achieving who it is that we really want to be. And that's an artistic and creative person. Um. It's a fascinating book because it strips away all those layers of what it means to be creative without actually telling you how to be creative. Because the idea is that you already know how to be creative. You're a creative person because you yearn to do it. 
And creativity in the book is not defined, right? You know, uh, the uh, corporate person who works a nine to five for a large global conglomerate, they can be a creative person at their job too. Um, creativity is so loosely defined both in the book and I think in a, you know, in a universal way um, that to define it might actually be one of those blocks, <laughs> right? Yeah. <laughs> um, so the book is very, very careful to sort of allow you to be kind to yourself and to feed that inner child and to, and to truly express who you are through means that are designed to make you feel comfortable to do it. Right. Uh, I was sitting around one day and I said to myself, I really enjoy improv, but I don't really know many professional improvisers. Right. I mean, they're out there teachers and some people tour with it, but really I look at it as a skill, as a stepping stone to being an actor. So I kind of landed on that. I said, all right, well, I'm going to keep doing improv, but I think what I really want to use it for is to be an actor. How do I become an actor? Well, I should probably go to acting school. Great. Go to acting school. What's stopping you? Well, it's pretty expensive. Screw it. You work, you make money, go pay for classes. Boom. And that's just how, that's just how it takes shape. You know, you, you remove, uh, you remove those hurdles you remove those obstacles and it's not an easy process. That's why she sets the book up as if it's a curriculum. You know, she recommends reading the book like one chapter a week because that's how it's laid out, right? Each week addresses another facet of what it means to be a creative person and how to conquer those, you know, pits of despair that we often feel. And that's what a lot of that, uh, you know, the, the law of attraction stuff talks about is like not focusing on the, the how of getting to what you want. It's, it's more just like the feeling of like that, that wish fulfilled, like just focusing on that. And like, sure. Yeah. 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 I think um, that's huge. That's a huge part of it. Um, the, the doing it right. But then also, you know, destroying that um, notion of success. What does that mean? Who, who, and who, what is it? Who does it, you know, yeah. success is such a motherfucker. A lot of times, sorry, I curse, but, uh, <laughs> oh, no, uh it's uh, uncensored. So, okay. Um, you know, people view success in many different ways and it's, it could also very well be one of those blocks. Um, the way I view success now is if I am happy doing the thing that I like to do, then I consider myself successful. And yes, of course, I want to make a living and I want to be a professional actor and I want to be in movies and on TV and I want to do all those things. I'd be lying if I said that that's not a goal, but um, it's not something that I'm going to beat myself up over because the way to get the, to the way to accomplish those goals is to be better at the craft. Yeah. And the success and the feeling of success, uh, it comes from within. You got to find the the inner success too, like the the contentment. Sure. Yeah. 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 And again, that that ties back into what we mentioned earlier. If you're enthusiastic about what you're doing, other people will follow suit. And that that doesn't just pertain to audiences. You know, that pertains to directors and writers and producers and people who will you know ultimately see in you what you feel inside yourself. You know, I've always said that. You know, I don't. I have a very particular look. Uh, you know, I don't think again that I'm uh, unique to anything. There are plenty of people that look like me, but I feel like I am bringing something somewhat different, both in terms of uh, you know 
uh, presentation and personality. And it's not always the easiest sell, right? I'm never the first picked for, for a kickball in the courtyard. Um, but I know that eventually somebody will find me, right? Some, eventually a director or a writer will find me and utilize my skill set to the best of its abilities. And that's fine. I mean, I can't wait for that day. But in the meantime, I'm going to work as hard as I can to sharpen that skill set so that it's ready to go when I get that opportunity. It sounds like you're talking a bit about like kind of like self-awareness in a way, like too, like knowing who you are and kind of accepting who you are is a way to move forward too. like not. Yeah. hundred percent. Yeah. Self-awareness in this, in this sort of field that we're in, or, you know, I, I don't want I can't speak for all the other ones, but um, self-awareness is gigantic. Um, I think that may have been where I, you know, uh, failed in, as a standup to be honest, because I didn't really have uh, much at the time. I have a lot more now. I know what I can and can't get away with on stage. Um, I know what decisions, characters I like to play can make on stage. But I think even off stage, I know not to get too far ahead of myself. It's like it's, you know, knowing where you stand is a good thing. Um, being ambitious is great as well. Um, but I'm also a firm believer in, in, in proper timing. And that has a lot to do with that heightened self-awareness that I think we all need as, as performers. And what do you think, like, what do you think, people because I, I feel like artists and like creative people we're very emotional people so I think that's like sometimes like rejection or things like that's hard like when going in like um what do you think is a, a better way to have thicker skin about that and just kind of learn from your mistakes <laughs> Be, uh, nothing is ever the end of the world right yeah. uh I'm not going to re reveal my age because I've only lately been getting self-conscious about it um <laughs> probably because close friends are, are beginning to uh, crack, you know, small jokes about it, but it's playful and it doesn't bother me too much. But I, I, I could, I could parlay the wisdom that rejection does not equate to the end of the world. It happens. It sucks. It's not a good feeling, but a lot of life, not just being creative, but a lot of life is not so much how you fall down, but how you pick yourself up. If you could confront and stare in the face of rejection and it won't mean anything to you. I uh, was in therapy for a number of years. And one of the most um, successful tactics that I adopted, uh, cop a coping mechanism, so to speak, is that when you're dealing with your emotions, especially when they're on a grand scale, like, like rejection, you know, a good practice is to sort of shrink that problem down and just look at it in your hand. Look how tiny it is. And understand that what we do, whether you're a creative person or not, just life in general, it's very complicated. There's more than one angle to it than your own, and you should never take it personally. And if you do, then, you know, who cares, right? Fuck it. Great. Okay. They didn't like me because I said something weird or I acted awkwardly. That's their problem because deep down, you probably know that you're not really like that all the time. Yeah, everybody has fuck up moments. You can't just be like, yeah, success and success is uh, it's not like a straight up path. You know, everybody has like a windy path. And uh. yeah, correct. That's exactly that's that's exactly right. Um, there's no trajectory that says unless your parents are like you know super rich or you know Hollywood elite or whatever. 
Like there's no, I think even then, like you're going to go through bumps, you know, and bruises. Um, matter of fact, you probably have it worse if you're the son of like, you know, some famous well, actor. But we'll look at all like the child on. stars, like, you know, turn to drugs and everything. Yeah, yeah exactly. Yeah. You know, everybody, everybody has that, that ebb and flow. Um, and, you know, like, again, that's, that's the struggle. I mean, I think at the end of the day, you have to reinforce to yourself, like, that you chose to do this and this is what it's like. And, you know, you hope that it's not permanent, but you got to keep working. You just got to keep working at it, you know, both, both emotionally um, and outside of yourself. Right. Um, I, I go through slumps like anybody. I have periods of emotional distress. I become very withdrawn. I don't like to be around people when that's happening. And I've been told that that's probably not the best thing, but I do have a good support system regardless um, and, and, and it's, it's one of those things where I acknowledge it and I don't ignore it and I confront it and I try to shrink it and I look at it and I try to, um, tell myself that, you know, emotions are, um, they're real, but they're not reality. That's something that Dan Harmon of all people said on one of his podcasts one time. I, I, I haven't looked into them too much, but wait, you recognize them? it's a great, somebody asked him a question about, you know, how to cope with depression and sadness and you know, all those icky feelings that we, we, we sometimes get angry when they arise. And he kind of laid it out in a way that was like, those are very real emotions to you as a person. No one's going to take that away from you because no one can, you're feeling that, but they're not the reality of what's happening outside of yourself. Right. It's a story Um, you're telling yourself like pretty much. Um, It's a very real story. Uh, And and, and again, it, it sucks when, you feel that way. And it sucks when um, there's this insurmountable pile of turmoil and shit that you just don't ever think is going to get cleaned up. Um, But, you know, when you, when you go beyond uh, that notion, they're just, they're just your emotions, right? Not everybody sees you that way. And certainly people don't judge you for being that way. Yeah. That's, that's one thing I'm trying to remember. Like if I get into uh, depressed, because I struggle with like, I'm prone to depression. I know some people have like worse uh, cases than me, but like I, I'm trying to learn how to think like, is the way my mind is saying everything is now as bad as it seems like, or is it like, you know, just a minor thing? Okay. Maybe that was kind of cringe or wasn't the best thing, but is it, is it like the worst thing? Is it, it's not the end of the world. Like I'm, my mind is making it either. So. Yeah. More often than not, we construct these narratives in our mind that make us believe that they're the worst. It's the worst thing in the world because it makes us feel like, you know, like sometimes I have a visceral reaction to a memory in my life where I did something stupid and I just go, like I literally like out loud, (laughs) I react. Um, But, but I think when, you know, as a friend or as somebody else who um, also knows a lot of people who suffer, I think it's important to, you know, not offer, try not to change that about somebody because frankly, they wish that they could change it. And that doesn't, that's not a very productive way to handle it. I, I just try to be there for people, you know, let them know that you're listening, let them know that you understand. I think empathy is something that is the sharpest of tools in the tool shed. And I think that goes a long way. And I I think laughing at yourself, and not taking yourself too seriously helps too. Like if you can look at awkward moments or moments where you beat yourself up about and kind of laugh at that and see the humor in it, 
and just, yeah. you know. That's all I do, man. I, I, <laughs> I love, I love being dumb and weird. And I like, I, I genuinely kind of embrace that about myself now. Um, and granted, like there are some times where it's just like really awkward in front of people who like, don't get your sense of humor. But I mean, I, I am very much somebody who does not take myself seriously anymore. Um, and I, you know, again, I, I think that's contagious as well. Again, ties right back into that whole thing where if you're enthusiastic about something, or if you don't take yourself too seriously, then that kind of drops everyone else's guard around you. And then they know that you're accessible and you can be fun. And like, you know, eventually you start earning trust with people. Um, you know, earlier I mentioned that some, some people made small jokes about my age, but it, it doesn't bother me because those are people that I've, I've allowed um, into that space. And it's cool because they, they earn that, that trust for me. They earn that right for me to be able to speak freely like that. And that's cool. Yeah. And that's interesting. You, you brought that up because that, that's something I, I've struggled with is like being too, serious maybe like in a larger group or serious in um a crowd or like around certain people like uh because i'm thinking like oh what are they gonna think of me like i'm um and then people tell me like so i've had some people say oh you're a very serious guy but it's like no that's not who i am on the inside like i'm a, i'm kind of a fun like that's not like the, who i am on the inside wasn't presenting like who i was on the yeah. outside because i wasn't i was taking myself too seriously to just let loose and like what do you what do you think the barrier is there? What do you what do you think it is that prevents you from letting out that that fun guy inside? I think it's just being too preoccupied with like, oh, these people think this of me or this people like, you know, like other people's yeah judgments or like. Um, so get rid of that. I mean, I know that, again, that's easier said than done, but but work on getting rid of that, man. You know, if they see that fun guy inside of you, then that's what they'll think of you as. Exactly. Yeah. And, then, and then maybe they are, they, maybe they are seeing you as like a, a too serious guy because you're, you know, you're, you're, you're swallowing that fun guy down, let him out. Yeah. And then if you, if I figure if you know, the more I feel good or just like laugh at like stuff I did or not take it too seriously, the more people will respond in that yeah. way, you know, share yourself, you know, be vulnerable. Yeah. Well, that's why that's, that, that's hard. <laughs> yeah. And, and and Mark Manson talks about that too. Like, I know you like Mark Manson. He talked to also talks about like rejection being good teachers, like knowing, cause sometimes rejection can show you like what's wrong for you. Too. Oh, sure. Yeah. yeah. I mean, rejection, yes, can show you what's wrong for you and could also tell you who not to be around with anymore. And it, could, it shows you a lot. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And I'm, I'm reading a book about uh regret too, like using regret, like, like there's two ways people handle regret. They say, Oh, I have no regrets and they just forget about it. And that's not good. Or they um, just wallow in regret and like despair, which is sometimes when I've gotten depressed, that's been like, Oh, I, I didn't do this when I was 20. I didn't, I should have done this. Like, yeah, I'm getting out of that more. Cause like, I'm learning to accept, okay, this led me to there. But the thing is like, you can have the regrets and you can think, wow, I could have taken a better path if I did this. But what you do is like, you say, okay, how will that help me make a better choice in the future? Like if you Absolutely. use regret, if you use regret in a good way, it can help you make a better life in the future. Yeah, it provides a roadmap. You know, regrets one of those things. And brother, I have the same issue. You know, um, you know what? What do they say? Uh, you could look back, but you can't stare. Right? Yeah. Sometimes yeah, exactly. I'm staring too long, and I'm just <laughs> like, damn, why didn't I do that? Or why? Why didn't it play out this way? But at the same time, it's like, well, you know what? Because I didn't, and uh, now I know that I should. Um, one of the best exercises that someone can do for themselves is, you know, uh, if you could 
go back in time 10 years and, and, and change something, you know, or anything, what, what would it be? And then what you do is you, you list off all those things and then you just do them now. Right. Cause now, you know, now, you know, to do them. Exactly. Yeah. Pretend this is the time machine right now. This is the correct. Yeah. Yeah. It's like, you didn't know to do them back then, but you know, to do them now. So go do them. Exactly. Yeah. But maybe also like, if he did, if he did do all those things and you did everything right, would you have learned? Would you have grown in the same way? Like maybe now you'll be better doing them now because you learned from the past. Well, that, th this is why regret is such a bear trap because now, now what you're doing, now what we're doing is spiraling into this thinking pattern yeah. that yeah. means nothing because <laughs> the past happened already. Yeah. <laughs> you know what so I mean? It doesn't matter whether it was good or it was bad because it, it just is. Doesn't matter. Doesn't matter. Should I have broken up with that person? It doesn't matter. You did. Should I have gone to acting school earlier? It doesn't matter. You didn't. So go now. Uh, should I have done this? Should I have done that? Should I have said this? Should I have said that? It doesn't. It Honestly, let me tell you something. If you feel like you've done something or said something to somebody or, or to yourself in the past that has greatly impacted who you are today, I can guarantee you you're the only person stewing in that because everyone else is too concerned with uh, properly running their own lives. So um, are there people that I have upset in the past? Yeah, I'm sure. I, I'm, I'm almost a thousand percent positive, but that's it. They're not in my life anymore. And we've all gone our separate ways and we're all alive and we could all enjoy sunshine and ice cream and find things that make us happy. Yeah. And usually people, usually you remember those things more than the other person. Well, I guess depending on what it is, unless you really like hurt someone, but. Yeah, well, precisely. I mean, um, uh, forgiveness is huge in my book. I've forgiven a lot of people who have hurt me in the past, or at least I've tried to. <clears throat> but there may be somebody out there who doesn't forgive me, and that is their choice. They're allowed to not. So they're not in my life anymore. And I, I would obviously feel horrible if I'd hurt them in any way. But um, that's sometimes, you know, that's sometimes how it plays out. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, we're, we're all, we're all works in progress. So, you know, there was that incident with the um, Will Smith, you know, like, you know, everybody knows about that. He slapped Chris Rock at the Oscars, but like I, I noticed in his apologies, he said, I'm a work in progress. And, you know, he's in his fifties and he already has like a cheat, but it's like, you know, the journey never ends. Like, you know? Yeah. I mean, some publicist probably wrote that, but I, I, I understand the sentiment. <laughs> <laughs> I understand the sentiment. Yeah. I mean, it's yeah. true. It's like, uh, yeah, you, you're never done learning. I mean, I, I was just, um, I don't know if it was something that I was listening to or watching, but uh, there was like this survey or some, something conducted re regarding intelligence, right? And it was proven that the most intelligent people are the ones who can concede to the idea that there's a lot that they don't know about, right? That they're constantly working on themselves and they're constantly unfinished products and you know, as much as they think that they know, there's a wealth of knowledge that they don't possess. Those are the people that were considered more intelligent. The people that were considered less intelligent are the ones who think they know everything already. Yeah. So, yeah. and they also know. have the least like experiences in life, and they also don't grow or go out of because like more I, knew, I, knew, I knew I knew a particular person. Well, I've known more than one, but I'm thinking of one particular person from a uh, high school. Like he always knew everything, had the answers to everything. And like right. 10 years after high school, he, he was still the same mindset, like still believed all the same things, hadn't had really that many new experiences. Well, he had some, but like he still mentally stayed in the same place. Right. And like, 
he never learned, never grew. And yeah. Yeah. I mean, that's pretty much a Trump voter yeah. <laughs> <laughs> or a lot of Staten Islanders that I used to know. Um, yeah. I mean, there's nothing you can do about that. Right. I don't, I don't try to change people anymore. Yeah. Maybe I never did. I don't know. That was a weird thing to say. I don't think that I've ever tried to change somebody, but I know that I was much more stubborn when I was younger about my opinions. Yeah. Yeah. Me too. Like uh, you think, you know, it all, there's like points where like you think it all at all, but then you see something else and then you realize yeah, you don't you know, know shit. Yeah. <laughs> you don't know shit. And when you think that, you know, shit, then other shit gets presented to you and you're like, Oh, I guess there's other shit also. Yeah. <laughs> But uh, but uh, you you were talking about the the Staten Island like uh, I because I know you mentioned in the past like Staten was that was I talking about Staten Island? Oh, I just mentioned, you mentioned yeah yeah yeah. Well, because you mentioned that that kind of motivated you to go more where like there's art, there's culture, there's like the center of things because you felt like everybody there was kind of stuck in a particular mindset. Did that did that kind of motivate you? Not because that you knew you didn't want that life. Did that motivate you more towards the life you do want? Um, I think I was just motivated to not live there because the part of Staten Island that I grew up in was not, I, I didn't really fit in very well. So I, I was already a, a weird kid. Like I lived in my own world, had my own imagination. I grew up with two older sisters, so they, they would hang out all the time. So that left me to my own devices. Right. And I had a very vivid imagination in the first place. So when I was a kid, I did a lot of world building. Um, and without going too deep into like the psychological, you know, aspects of this, um, it really sort of became like a safe haven for me because once I left my house and realized that it wasn't just my two older sisters who kind of like did their own thing, it was like a, a large portion of the population of where I live. Uh, then it became, you know, a mission to not live there anymore and to find a place where I can exist that allowed me to not only live in my own world and ruminate, but also that didn't, that wasn't too bothered by it. You know, I feel like a lot of Staten Islanders that I grew up around were bothered by the fact that I was a weird kid. <laughs> so, so I went where all the weirdos went. I first moved to Queens and now I live in Brooklyn. <laughs> nice. Yeah. It was yeah. kind of a similar experience in the suburbs, you know, everybody kind of acted a particular way or like they didn't um, just, you know, didn't want to experience anything out their own outside their own experience. Yeah. 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 I, I love, I love finding the weirdos. I, a, a very consistent pattern throughout my life is that I've always uh, have either been drawn to have attracted or just willingly sought out the outcasts and the weirdos. Yeah. Um, and I think I still do that. <laughs> Although I'm yeah. a little older now, now I'm, I'm very welcoming of, of really everyone. Yeah. I feel, I feel like I've opened like up, because like sometimes when you you make friends with people you you wouldn't normally think would like be your friend like then that kind of enhances your perspective too like i've learned oh that. sure i mean i i've come to learn that it's you know everybody has some sort of redeeming quality you know um even if they're god i hate that i'm about to say this but even if they are like sort of a, a trump voting sort of you know insular sort of uh um obnoxious individual uh there are still things that those people like outside of uh that right it's the reason why politics is so i can't stand it i don't talk about politics i don't really have a lot of strong political opinions my whole thing is just don't be a dick to people um 
And in that, and in that same vein, don't be addicted to people, but you know, be warm to them, be nice to them, be kind to them, like find out what it is that they do like. Um, and then, you know, follow suit with that. It's why I'm very, very, uh, interested in food. Uh, and it's why I, I like to cook. It's why I like to, ex, um, explore food culturally and, and, um, oh, and, you know, and, and as a glutton, um, because I, you know, I was, I'm a huge Anthony Bourdain fan and that's, that's a life lesson that I took from him. Um, you know, when you could sit at the table with anybody and open up and have conversations, then you really begin to learn about the world and, and about yourself and about other people. I've always been interested in finding like the, the people who kind of did their own thing and like, and like whatever the culture or whatever, I guess that's what uh, I've been doing with the show too. Made a whole show out of it. So. Yeah. I think it's important to, uh, establish your own boundaries and so on and so forth. Yeah. I don't know if that's the same thing here, but I think you get what I'm saying. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I was saying like, um, I guess it just, when you said that, like you always sought out the people who were kind of um, doing their own thing or the, or the weirdos. Like uh, I feel like I made a whole show out of that, like the good weirdos and like from all around the world, different cultures, like, and like they're doing that, like showing the commonalities, like someone, no matter what, like, uh, part of the world it is or whatever there's always the weirdos or the people who go their own yeah. way i love the weirdos I, i'm slightly intimidated by the cool people because i'm able to identify them too <laughs> uh, but i'm getting better at that because i know that cool is just like a cool by its definition is just a pretense and most of the time the cool people are also just huge nerds on the inside um and then there's the normies who i don't know what to do with half the time i don't know how to talk to normal people um, like people at my office or just, just normal people in general. I don't always know how to interact with them. I do my best, but a lot of that, a lot of that, what I would consider like normie behavior is just tied to like income and materialism. And those are two things that I don't have a lot of vested interest in. Yeah. Well, I guess, I guess, I guess a better word for it would be like, I guess like the people who kind of go their own path, I guess that's what I found the show because like um just like from because i've had people on the show from like all over the world because like especially like with uh, zoom you can interview people anywhere and yep. like i find like whatever the culture there's always people who kind of rebel in some way against that culture or or go their own like they don't fit the norms or whatever that is and kind of do their own thing so yeah yeah i mean that's that's practically the definition of an artist yeah and through that like connect like you see like what we all have in common like too like it, it can kind of bring a unity in a way too like yeah you know, art I, can bring people together from like different cultures and that's why i love talking to artists and creative people we all we all share that one common trait which is that we all we're all striving to to satisfy ourselves and uh, uh you know a larger portion of the population yeah exactly and is there anything maybe we didn't cover or anything else you wanted to go into or? I don't think so. I think we got, I think we got a lot down for an early, the early morning podcast. Yeah. I think it was We're, a good uh, chat. Yeah. What were we going to say? Yeah. For your listeners that don't know, Sean and I are recording this at 6 a.m. on a Saturday because that's what we do. We're go-getters. Yep. Exactly. <laughs> we were up until three in the, both out till three in the morning. Or, that's right. Yeah. <laughs> a lot of red eye coffee being yeah. slugged right now. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Well, uh, thanks for coming on. This was uh, a good chat and um, all that. Oh, yeah. I wanted to say like the 
with what you said about the obstacles like towards like being yourself or whatever like that kind of relates to what you're saying with the artist ray thing and like i, I was going to mention uh lord ganesh who's like a mm -hmm. hindu god that um i don't necessarily like believe in them as like actual beings but like i like they kind of like energies or like things i want to incorporate in myself like because ganesh is like the remover of obstacles so that's why i like that yeah. It's a position of enlightenment when you are able to strip away those, those things that induce negativity in yourself. Um, I should mention that if you do decide to read the artist way, there is a, a lot of leaning into the God stuff, but I don't know. I don't believe in God. I don't, I don't necessarily hold my faith very highly. So I was able to get past it. It didn't really yeah. affect the way I read the book. Yeah. I'm not, I'm not exactly an atheist, but I'm not for like organized religion um i guess I, i'm more of like a buddha i guess it goes towards buddhism or what i believe but it's talked about in other religions as well kind of like the higher self above like your physical self in this world sure. kind of observe things um i know in hinduism it talks about like the atman and everything that was my interpretation of what yeah 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 it's a it's a deep one i am an animal that got very lucky not to be food for another animal so i'm gonna roll with that <laughs> for the rest of my life <laughs> yeah but you said you said um because like I, I know like well my mother's Jewish like I mentioned like I was Jew but not raised religiously Jew and you said you were too yeah right? I'm Jewish yeah yeah but I don't I mean I don't do anything I I yeah. I'm very far removed from it yeah same, same. I, 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 I yeah I don't I'm the wrong person to ask any questions about it yeah because I was just thinking because you mentioned like that's a well, I remember one time when I when I mentioned that to you, you said well well you overthink so that's a that's a Jewish. Oh, sure. I mean, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Emotionally, I'll forever be Jewish. Yeah. Like, I'll, you know, our neuroses will never yeah. cease to, to course through our veins. But uh, yeah, I mean, I, I couldn't tell you when Passover is this year. I think it's coming oh, yeah. up. There's still holidays. I, I hear like, oh, there was a Jewish holiday. I'm like, oh, I didn't even know that was a thing. I, I don't even know why we celebrate it. I, I mean, I'm vaguely familiar with the fact that they ran out of yeast at the uh, bakery in uh, Queens. And so everybody had to eat matzah or something. But uh no, I'm kidding. But yeah, I don't I don't know what the stories are behind these holidays. I don't care to know. I, I look at religion as thousands of years ago. They did not have advanced science or Netflix. So the way people entertain themselves and kept mobs of people in check was to induce this fear of a higher power that will smite you at any given second, which you say that out loud now. And it's the most ridiculous thing. So um, I'm not poo pooing anybody that has faith. It's just not for me. I guess it's like I, I could see like the the good and the bad like i like i'm definitely a spiritual person but like i also see how religion's been used to uh control people and i don't believe in like the guy in the sky controlling people but more like uh like we can kind of find the divine within and that's yeah of thing. i like the teachings of uh i don't mind the teachings of jesus but like that's about like the only thing i take from that i i'm right there with you i'm i'm all about that sense of enlightenment i guess that could be considered buddhism it's very tied to nature it's very tied to the mind and mindfulness um, but I just don't like the idea of any organized religion. I feel like that's, that was the root of all evil for a long time. It still might be, I don't know. I, again, I don't have any strong. Well, political I feel opinion. like now it's more about, um, like, uh, we were talking Oil. about, yeah. Or like, <laughs> yeah. And like money, like making money for corporations, the arm industry and yeah. like all that. Yeah. yeah it's, it's all about, Oh man, we're going to need another hour. If you want to hear me yeah. get into corporations, I just, <laughs> yeah, uh, I, I always like to somehow get into this stuff. And <laughs> oh yeah. Well, yeah. I, but we I'll, I'll, lay, like I'll, <laughs> I'll lay it down very briefly. I, 
I'm very upset that we that we lost to corporations. We are a corporately run society now. This is late stage capitalism, I suppose, but I feel like everywhere you go in this country now, it is this milk toast sort of strip mall bullshit brand name type of presentation or however you want to call it. The the American dream is now tied to making 11 an hour at, at a Walmart for too many people. Um, corporations have watered down our culture. Corporations steal from us. Corporations reward the wrong people. Corporations control politicians. They get in the pockets of, of there's just nothing, no redeeming value to a corporation. And um, I think it sucks that we're all glued to our devices now because that's how they got us. You know, yeah. they've effectively disengaged us and disarmed us. And all they want us to do is stare at a screen and fart into our couch and eat terrible food and get fat and not think, um, you know, in ways beyond what's in front of us, because that that's, Hey, I know without becoming too much of a conspiracy nut here, I feel like that's the, that's the end game. You know, ultimately they just want four rich people running the fucking world. Also profiting off uh, people's insecurities, like, you know, too, like like there's always trying to sell something that like, Oh, this will make you look better. This will make you. Yeah. And I, you know what? I'm guilty as I'm guilty for doing that too. You know, um, we all in some ways are hypocrites or guilty of falling into consumerism. It's just the reality of what we live in right now. I, I find it very funny. Some of the things people say and how they do it through social media on their phones, where it's just like, all right, I get that you have a cause, but you do realize that a lot of what anybody says contradicts a lot of what is actually happening. So this is probably why I stay away from politics and, you know, understand the complexity and, and how complicated human beings are and how our minds are, you know, very, um, you know, they're, they're very sensitive, sensitive aspects of ourselves. Um, but when it comes to this, this corporatocracy, you know, I joke with people that I wish we would go back to the good old days when the mafia ran things, because at least then everybody knew where they stood. Right. Yeah. Now it's just like, well, I guess four, four people fucking control everything. You know what I mean? And that's more dangerous than a, than a government because people always talk about, Oh, like the government, but it's like the government's just like a small thing. I feel like it's these big corporate entities that control because they don't even, they're way worse. Like, yeah. My, my dad, who is a sort of fiscally conservative Republican, he gives credit to these companies all the time. He's like, well, they were smart enough to figure it out and they were smart enough to find the loopholes. And I'm like, no, they weren't. They, (laughs) they, they bought them. They bullied their way into it. Uh, they bought off the people that could have protected us from it. Uh, all these things took shape because people, because greed is a motherfucker. And some, some, it's, for some people, enough is never enough. They just, that's why I love watching that show Secession because it brilliantly portrays a guy who functions that way, where it's like, you have everything. What more do you want? And it turns out more things. Yeah. More, and, more, and more power. Yeah. And they, and they, I think it is just like that. Um, I think it, it's just about like that being in that mindset of wanting more because they always say like, oh, the best and brightest get ahead. But you look at all like the philosophers who like died poor and like they were brilliant or like yeah. Nikola, Nikola Tesla. I know I think because he didn't really that wasn't a motivate. I think that was just because like money wasn't a motivation. No, I mean, Tesla. like, yeah. Yeah. I mean, the fact that America is is capitalist and I'm not going to sit here and say that I hate capitalism. There's some good things about it, too. But what it ultimately does is it instills this 
um, this, this air of competition, right? We all have to be competing with each other now. And I, I, that is something that I don't like. Um, I do think that everybody deserves healthcare. I do think everybody deserves at least the right to a proper lifestyle. Um, I think a lot of what goes on right now sucks. I also am vehemently against this, this sort of, I don't want to call it cultural appropriation, but like this, this idea that the only Italian food somebody could ever try is an olive garden in their town, or like the only experiences they could possibly have are ones that are propped up by corporations. That bothers me a lot because that was, that didn't used to be the world, you know, at least I don't think um, I could be wrong. I didn't, I wasn't alive in the forties and fifties. Um, but it, it, you know, it just seemed like there were more holistic and esoteric experiences taking place without the help of corporations. Whereas now everything seems premeditated and pre-planned for us. And that, I, you know, that, that really does bother me a lot. Yeah. And it's, and it's definitely a different feeling. Like you go into a small business, like there's like a uniqueness to that place, especially if there's like a story, like a family business, then if you go into Oh like, yeah. yeah. Well, forget about, I mean, yeah. I mean, that that's certainly one thing. Yeah, sure. I try not to, I hate social media. I don't really know how younger people consume it in a way that is productive to themselves. I got into a conversation recently about is, can somebody make art for social media or is, does art exist on social media? I happen to think no, because I think the medium itself is one that is number one, accessible by everyone. And number two, the, again, the way that, the way that that material is digested doesn't really come off to me as one that is conducive to art. Um, it doesn't take you out of anything, right? Yeah. It doesn't, there's no risk being taken rarely, um, except your, you know, except your level of vanity, <clears throat> but I'm going off now. Um, you know, I like, I like keeping my phone in my pocket and wandering around a neighborhood in New York city. That's one of my favorite things to do because no one is behind it. No one is inspiring it, but myself and that neighborhood. And there's a lot of exploration and discovery to be had uh, in a, in a random neighborhood in New York that isn't sort of laid out the same way a, a strip mall or a business complex or whatever the case may be in other places around the country. Yeah. And I think to, uh, to wrap up and bring it back to what we were saying before is kind of like, um, how, you know, like you were talking about competition, like competing with everybody. I feel like there's enough, there's enough success, like for everybody. And you were mentioning like how, you know, the stand-up scene was all about competing and sometimes artists get competitive. Oh, I want to be. Um, but I think, I think that maybe there's a way to kind of just, you know, you, you, you reach for your own success. Like uh, you try to be the best you, but that doesn't, I don't think there's, I think there's a way to do that without being in competition with others. Like, yeah. You want to see others succeed too. Cause like their success is unique to them. Their success is going to be different than your success. It doesn't precisely mean, like both can be, true like you can be successful they can be successful yeah someone else's success or their view of it has nothing to do with me i know what i want and i know how to i know how to pinpoint it so that i'm able to get there and i you know i'm sure there are people that are competing with me i i I, maybe maybe not i know that there is internal competitions that are happening throughout every scene where creative people exist. But yeah, it's not a very productive way to go about improving yourself because what you'll end up doing is getting caught up in the competition and not on the improvement of who you are as a, as a creative person. Yeah. 
you need to compare. The only person you need to like compare yourself with is who you used to be. Yeah. Correct. And then work from there. The only person you're competing with is yourself. That's I 100% believe that. Exactly. You're the only one who stands in your own way. So if there's something that you want to do because you see someone else doing it, you can go and do it too. Yep. And it might not manifest in the same ways it did for them, but it'll be your. But that's, that's the journey. That's up, you know, some people disagree with that. Some people think people benefit from some sort of privilege and maybe they do. I mean, I'm not blind to that, but ultimately the only person that prevents you from doing anything is yourself. And maybe the cops, depending on what it is, but you know, <laughs> but it's mostly yourself. Go and do something. Exactly. Go out and do it. Yeah. Remember, yeah. you just inspired someone right now. They'll be like, yeah, you know, I like what these guys are saying. I'm going to go do it. That'd be yeah. Awesome. And if there are things in your way, figure out how to get them out of your way. Definitely. That's it. That's all it comes down to. All right. Well, uh, yeah. Thank you for coming on. And uh, I'm glad we got into like that other stuff a bit before and then kind of brought it back. To yeah. Us. I think that. This is great, man. Yeah. I love your podcast. Keep doing it. Keep doing all the things that you love doing. Yeah. And same, same with you, man. And, uh, yeah, keep me posted about if you do like future shows, all that stuff. And, uh, actually I'm, I'm starting a team now, but more of like a, for fun improv team, like no big commitment. Cause I just wanted to get back to performing and stuff. Yeah. Yeah. There you go. See, you're doing it. You're putting something in place. Exactly. All right. Excellent. If you enjoyed this episode with BSing with Sean K, be sure to subscribe on iTunes, Spotify, wherever you get your podcasts, or watch it on uh, YouTube, BSing with Sean K YouTube channel, and you'll see the videos of us talking. You'll get to see the people's faces. But I know a lot of people listen to podcasts on the go, so probably that won't be the choice for a majority of you. Anyway, I should have more cool episodes coming soon, so stay tuned. BSing with who? BSing with what? BSing with Sean K. BSing with who? BSing with what? BSing with Sean K. BSing with who? BSing with.